there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. Pew, 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 pew. So exciting. Week 97 of COVID. Dun, dun, dun. Our guests this week are Madeline Michael, a great advocate to the Asian Pacific Islander community, and Donna Burstyn, the owner, founder, creator of La Fete Rose. Pew, 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 pew. Hey there, friends! Welcome to the Rose Hour Podcast, and I'm here with y'all. Know who I am? Bartender Ben. Y'all know my name. How did you get here? Do the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Another great episode. Pew, oh pew, yeah! Pew, pew, oh pew. yeah! Shoot him! Shoot him! Pow! Pow! No! Yeah. No! 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 That's a Jamaican horn that I was doing. The- oh! Oh! Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a chopper. <laughs> it's a twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> to all the TikTokers out there who rock, yay, TikTok, you don't stop. Mm-hmm, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So how's your quarantining going? Oh, man, I, I done lost about 10 pounds. Oh, lucky you. Oh, I, I must have found them. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey throw, them, throw them away. I'm Get trying to, but I mean, there's so much rosé, so many amazing guests. I mean, you got bob and weave that type of stuff. You got to duck it. You got to dodge it. You know, you got to, you know, yeah. you got to make some substitutions on the plate. Well, I guess, okay. I mean, you know, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can that whatever God has given me. And, you know, it is what it is. Ain't what it ain't. Hey. When the outside open again, I'm going for some walks. Hey. And when outside open again, I'm going for some drinks. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> yesterday was single day mile. Yes. It is also my favorite holiday. And anyone who knows me knows how much I love tacos and margaritas and rosé. And I'm very sad that I could not patro- patronize my favorite uh, establishments this year. But to all those out there uh, with Mexican restaurants... I will be there and won't be square when outside opens to support you. Thank you for all you do. And I approve this message. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about this week's episode and what we're drinking. What are we sipping on today? I thought you never asked that. All right. (laughs) I mean, we ask it every week. (laughs) I know. I was waiting. I was waiting for the question. All right. So. Pew, pew, pew. The rosé of the week is. Like we know. Well, go ahead and tell people oh, what okay, you're okay, drinking. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> La Fete Rosé is a premium rosé. Oh, so we're drinking, label. wait, wait, wait. We're drinking La Fete Rosé. La Fete. Okay, okay. We, 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 with La Fete. All right. With La Fete this week. Yes, a premium rosé wine label geared towards multicultural customers who have a thirst for life, travel, and wine. Produced in conjunction with prestigious winemakers from the oldest vineyards in Central Paper and Pew. Oh, Beautiful. My God. 1340. In 1340. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, well, this 80. is an aged wine, uh, very clearly. Much so, very Love much it. So, and, and the, the beautiful thing about this company, 
other than just the rosé, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, they make a donation of a portion of every bottle was underserved communities. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's dope. Um, you know, to help them travel and add different travel, you know, experiences. So For who? For the underserved Community. Oh, for kids that low income community kids. Yeah. I love that. I love Get them that. Out there, you know? Well, yeah, you know, and all of that. I wish I, okay, I don't want to say I wish because I, no one should be underserved or living in a low income community. We should all have the ability to have money and opportunities. But I wish when I was that age of low income kid <laughs> that I was, that someone was like, hey, you want to go to San Tropez? Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. But I like understand the reason for for a program like that. You know, mm-hmm. so many kids have never made it off their block, their neighborhood, their community. Like, I mean, where I grew up, there's kids who never went from one side of Chicago to the other. And I know I've heard the same in Baltimore and DC. Mm-hmm. And that's their whole existence. Yeah. Within a you know a maybe few blocks, a, maybe a few yeah hundred yard radius. Yeah, that's crazy. Like the world is so big, and like when you don't have you don't realize that there's so much more than where you are right well shout out to them for being magical and making things happen for children all around the world essentially shout out out to you LaFette oh and guess what though LaFette was like yo to all the listeners at the Rose Hour podcast if they want to purchase bottles guess what they what? get 15% off using our code Rose Hour. Won't he do it? And you can purchase a bottle, three, six, or 12 of Le Fete Rose. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's... So go to their website, friends. And what was the code? One more time. Play it one more time. Rose Hour. Rose Hour. So there's no way you can forget that. There's oh no God. way you can forget that is the rose what, rose hour right right because that's no, what this no is the, no the right it's rose just rose hour. hour yeah right rose hour real short get that fifteen percent get that bottle get about five three, bottles six Nine, or 12. 10, 12, 10. Well, they only sell them in one, three, six, or 12. Well, you get three cases of 12. Yay! And, and send one of us. Yeah. S- send it to us. Send yeah. it to us. Yeah. Ship us for saving you money. Ship us a bottle. Right. Well, let's get into our first interview. Um, We mentioned we had two great guests, but our and our our second guest actually is Donay from um, Lafette Rose. He is the the founder of it, Mm. so we're talking with him. But before we do that, we're talking with the amazing Madeline. So she is an executive director to one of the uh, Tri Caucus, which is the congressional caucuses of you know different demographics like uh black hispanic asian pacific islander uh they have a pack and a pack is sort of like an arm that helps keeping members of congress uh there (laughs) and essentially they help advocate and put forth issues within the asian pacific islander pack to help uh ensure their members are connected to their communities and their communities are connected to their members um and it, she does such a great job and her story is so amazing on how she got here mm. yay mm. so you know all the smart brilliant people 
Well, it takes one and no one. Hey, don't, don't, don't toot your own horn. Pew, pew. Oh, gosh, she did it. <laughs> All right, well, guys, let's get into our first interview. Yay! Let's do it. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, we are in for a real amazing treat. This queen here, she's amazing. She does so much in the advocacy space, uh, works with the Tri-Caucus here in D.C. for national policy for communities of color, specifically those of Asian descent. Uh, she is the director of the Asian Pacific American Institute for Congressional Studies and a leader to all and a fashionista. Ladies and gentlemen, Madeline! <laughs> Thank you so much for your introduction. Woo-hoo. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. Of course. I am just, you know, so delighted and excited and happy because, you know, we've met years ago. I feel like a year ago, maybe a year ago. I don't know. I don't know when we met, but I just know that I follow your work and all that you do. And you're you're just an amazing person that does great work here uh, for for people all across the country. So thank you for all you do. Well, I wouldn't be able to do it if it weren't for folks like you and, and others to amplify the story of the work that happens. Um, you know, in, in, in support of our community. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we'd love for you to tell the listeners story, like, so, sort of your story, your background, like how you got involved in politics and how do you land in D.C.? Just your whole story. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So I was actually born in Vietnam. My mother is Vietnamese. My father is uh, American of German ancestry. So my last name is German. Um, born... Um, in Vietnam and left after the fall of Saigon. So after the uh, North Vietnamese came and, and took over the South. And so we were one of the very last American families to leave uh, Vietnam in 1976 and came back um, to the U.S. Um, and my father's originally from New Jersey and wanted to stay on the East Coast. And so we ended up really getting, um, putting down roots basically in Maryland. And so... I'm a Maryland girl, um, Prince George's County, PG. Um, and so I grew up in um, Prince George's County, um, went to Axonville High School in Maryland, which, you know, um, I'm very proud of. Um, <laughs> I was president of the student body when I was um, 16 years old. I, I skipped a grade, and so I was younger than most of my classmates. Um, and just had a really full life, you know, at that age. I thought, I had a lot of diverse friends with Central um, County being one of the more, more affluent counties in the country um, of African-Americans. And so I was really fortunate to kind of see the world in a lot of different perspectives from people who looked like me and then people who didn't look like me. Um, right. They're all from, you know, different communities of color. So uh, left, um, you know, Prince George's County to go to college in New Orleans. Um, I went to Tulane University. And when I graduated from Tulane, I was also vice president of the student body. And at the time, um, it was early, mid-1990s, 
um, we were an all-female executive board. So the president, uh, four vice presidents, all women, all from different parts of the country, Nebraska, Florida, California, um, all from different backgrounds. We had um, a Jewish woman, um, an African-American woman from Atlanta. You know, we had me. So there's a lot of diversity also in that aspect. Mm. So I was really uh, thankful that I got to be around other strong women in, in that capacity as a young woman um, in college and seeing leadership in that way. And so um, along my college route, I also um, did an internship on the Hill. I interned for Jenny Hoyer, who was my hometown congressman Ooh. at the time. He was Democratic caucus chair. Um, and so I had a lot of experience um, trying to integrate um, being civically engaged, you know, working on his campaign. Um, I also, um, it was also the time of um, the 92 Clinton Gore campaign. Um, I volunteered on that. Um, and so it was a great time to sort of be civically engaged as a college student. Mm. Um, when I graduated high school, I actually graduated as, um, a part of the science and math program at Oxford Hill. Oh. And then when I went to college, I ended up becoming a poli sci major. And so definitely had a change of heart in terms of where I was going in life from when I graduated high school with pre-engineering and then decided that that was not the route I wanted to go and decided that public uh, political science is really where I wanted to be. And those internships really helped me, you know, make some decisions on what I wanted to do after graduation. And that turned into my first job um, at the Democratic National Committee, um, where I worked in the training department. And so prior to that, I actually went and did a training um, that the training department organized in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, met the infamous Heather Booth, who is so famous. She has a documentary of her life. Oh my God, um, yes. Heather is, Booth, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So she was my very first boss at the dancing. So I always want to credit her and um, Debbie Wilhite, who um, was the uh, general election co-chair at the DNC, um, and Winston McGregor, who I later worked for in Vice President Ford's office at the inaugural. And so these three women really saw that I had some potential and really helped me in advocating and championing me when it came time for looking for my next job. And so I think that's so important in young people's lives to have older people, more seasoned people, but they don't have to be that much older than them. Right. Um, you're really helping them in terms of saying you should hire this person. You should give this person a chance. And this is coming from someone who didn't necessarily have a lot of background when it comes to working in this industry. And I came at a time when we didn't have the internet really. There yeah. wasn't um, a place for me to Google how to get on a campaign. There wasn't, um, West Wing wasn't created at that uh, point. Yeah. House of Cards, Veep, you know, all the, all the things that people tend to think about, um, about working in campaigns and, and public policy. So um, I think having others really support me in that way um, really helped me advance my career because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have those uh, women 
really advocating and pushing for me at a time when there weren't a lot of other people who looked like me working in this industry. And these are three white women. Wow. So I think it's important to recognize that when I'm supporting other women, I want to see that it looks like America and that it means we're helping um, communities of color, you know, marginalized communities really have a voice. And so um, they actually help shape some of that in my own philosophy of giving back. So, um, so I went on and you know, worked at the DNC, worked for Vice President Gore B. Marvel, went on to work at a political action committee, um, and really focused my work on fundraising. And so um, eventually I started my own consulting company. I had my local consulting company for 16 years um, and then transitioned um, about two years ago into the role at um, APAC and basically have been at APAC since then. Um, and my, my role at, at the DNC or in, in the other organizations that I work for, we're all you know, either director of training or working to increase more representation for candidates or operatives for um, our you know, communities of color, making sure that we had qualified um, staff to be able to work on these campaigns and helping to provide tools and resources so that you know our communities would be empowered to apply for these positions. Yeah. So um, a lot of that work was based around doing trainings and creating curriculum and um, really helping to encourage and recruit um, more people who are diverse to consider um, the Democratic Party as part of their home. And so, um, and now in my role my at, at APAC, I spend all of my time really with being American Pacific Islander community, encouraging them just to be civically engaged. Um, we're nonpartisan. And so my goal is to make sure that we demystify the process for the API community so that they can see how um, being involved civically as well as in public office, whether it's as a staff person, um, as someone who's appointed to a commission, or someone who's elected to public office, um, that we are a part of the fabric of this country and that we should also take a look at other communities of color in terms of the path that they help to blaze for us because you know, the African-American community, the Latinx community um, have all been a part of that story as well. And being able to share in the experience and help one another, um, I think that's why part of the work that we do at um, the Tri-Caucus with my counterpart um, at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation is to make sure that our next generation of leaders also understand that we are here to support one another and coalitions are powerful when we work together. That's very true. And oh my God, your story is so amazing. Like, have you ever thought like, or look back like, wow, I, I did a lot. <laughs> I helped a lot of people because you have. And I think that's been, you know, one of the things that I'm most happy about is being able to be sure that the people who have either worked for me at my firm, the people who were young staffers on campaigns where I might have been the consultant 
is to be able to be helpful to them as they grow because, you know, you, you have this, this opportunity to be responsible for a lot of things when you're working on campaigns and you can do a lot more than you would sometimes if you were at a corporate job um, just because there's so much work to be done and that your growth for, um, when you're starting out can be limitless because the more you take on, the more responsibility you take on and you're willing to do the work um, really shows your ability without actually having to like go through a performance review. Because a lot of times <laughs> you don't have time to do a performance review. True. Um, and that just shows just because you're actually producing good work. And that's a good thing sometimes. Um, and it's also yeah. frustrating sometimes because it's like, there's no low. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and we need those low moments. Yes, absolutely. So want to know what um, APAC is working on now that, you know, people can learn more or hear about uh, that maybe not be in the news or something right now. So May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. So that's a big deal for the community because it's our opportunity to really highlight um, all the achievements and accomplishments of our community. Um, and so uh, because we normally do all the fun activities in May in person mm-hmm. uh, and because of COVID, we've had to transition all of our activities to virtual um, and then our traditional activities in which most people know um, as Asian prom um, <laughs> has been moved to September. So uh, we unfortunately had to postpone our in-person gathering and keeping all of our fingers and toes crossed that we can actually safely um, gather in September um, so that we can um, really celebrate um, our Heritage Month. Um, So in general, all of our things in May are, are um, virtual. So one of the things that we've been doing right now is called APEX in Conversation. So every week we've been highlighting an Asian American Pacific Islander who has been in public service um, and the work that they've done. So today we actually had one with the former Federal Energy Regulatory Commission chairman. Um, oh. And uh, so he was a, an appointee in both the Clinton and um, Obama administration. Um, and before that, we had Dr. Mianna Lim, um, who was the Baltimore um, Health Commissioner and um, was the former uh, President and CEO of Planned Parenthood. Um, and before that, we had um, Connecticut um, Attorney General William Tom. And so um, we want to encourage people to uh, check in on these virtual fireside chats. It's about 30 minutes long, so not too long. Um, kind of, it kind of gives you a, an opportunity to hear about their story, how they got involved in public service, um, the kind of things that they did in their position, because who doesn't want to know what you did when you were chairman of the, what we call FERC. And, you know, <laughs> it's funny because the actual character for that role was in House of Cards. Um, wow. And was asked to do something that was considered, you know, um, illegal and you know you get to kind of see the the juxtaposition of reality and um what tv calls for when you need to write a fun storyline so i think it's one of those things where most people would never uh, anticipate you know you don't really get to learn that sometimes 
when you're in school or even when you're just, you know, being a regular everyday person. So I think it's a nice way to kind of see um, what kinds of jobs are out there for people who are interested in public service. So no, um, that's so amazing. That. Yeah, that's, that's so really amazing. Our, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, you can sign up on our website at apex.org, A-P-A-I-C-S.org. And um, it's usually every, uh, I'm going to say it's next, we're definitely on next Wednesday at 12.30 Eastern time, um, but it's at least one a week. And then we're also doing these really um, interesting virtual leadership trainings where, um, you know, our last one was last Friday, and this one was based around how to campaign um, in a digital environment. So as you can see, we're all quarantined, and in that capacity, how do you campaign when, you're used to doing door-to-door. You're used to doing canvassing. So now that everything has been um, shuttered in that sense, you can't have rallies, you can't have house parties, you can't have any of that due to social distancing, how do you maneuver your campaign um, to do things in the digital environment? And so we had um, two leading digital strategists, um, Cheryl Horry from the Pacific Campaign House and Sam O from Targeted Victory, um, a Democrat and a Republican basically give their top three tips and give people a sense of what they could be doing if they haven't been doing it already. And so I think that's helpful for people who might be in the middle of the campaign um, and needed some ideas on where to start. So we're trying to do some stuff that would be helpful and, and be a resource to, um, to the community. Well, you guys are definitely more than a resource. You guys are a staple and doing great work. Amazing work. So how can people follow on social media uh, APAC? So we have um, a Twitter account. And so that one is just the, I actually have to go on it just to make sure that I'm correctly giving you. So that's just at APAC. So the the handle is A-P-A-I-C-S. And then we also have a wonderful Instagram account which is uh, a little different than our Twitter handle. So that is A-P-A-I-C-S underscore O-R-G. Um, and so those are two of our um, social media platforms. And then there's also old school Facebook, which... Um, and it's so funny people. that that's old school. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone's like... Um, also, what, what we like to say is all of our aunties like to get on Facebook. Um, and so that's where some of our um, uh, more seasoned... Yes. Uh, uh, supporters like to join us and you can find us there at Asian Pacific American Institute for Congressional Studies. Madeline, we can go on for hours, but <laughs> we do have time restrictions because we are quarantined and we need to have some social distancing moments outside. And <laughs> I know like the end of the day, I'm like, I need to go outside. I just need to s- to feel the wind on my face, to act like I went somewhere. So (laughs) I want to thank you so much for joining us today. But before we go, I have to ask, we ask everyone this question. What's your favorite rosé or adult beverage? Rawr. All right. Well, okay. So uh, I am a rosé drinker. It's been a long time since I've had rosé since, you know, we've had winter time and such. And I'm just now starting Mm -hmm. to get back into... um, imbibing uh rosé so i actually checked in with one of my friends who is french and asked her what i should be trying next and so her suggestion 
um, are from the Loire Valley. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. take a look um, to see what uh, is available. But it looks like there is a 2017 um, J. Morant collection um, from the Loire Valley that is supposed to be super hot. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to try to track down at the local liquor stores that we can shop local um, and support our Yes, we have to shop local and support. So it sounds like we'll have you back to talk more about, you know, the Asian prom because I have, I've not been personally, but I want to go. So (laughs) there's things we need to discuss and talk about and getting people, you know, activated because I know there's going to be some things coming up soon uh, in Congress and, you know, activism is real, especially with 2020 um, elections that are kind of like uh, what's happening. Um, So we'd love to talk with you more about that and just, God, I just adore you and thank you so much for all you do. I appreciate the time, Renee, and um, I hope you you and your colleagues stay healthy and in good spirit. Thanks so much. Well, we appreciate you again. Have a great and fabulous afternoon. (laughs) Thanks, Madeline. Such a great interview. And thank you for talking about your story and how you got to where you are today. I am definitely honored and thankful for the opportunity to sit down and talk with you because I learned so much and I think you're great. Yay! <laughs> well, before we get into our next interview with Donay, want to just let people know that if you didn't hear, I'm going to tell you that we have some great news. We are getting 15% off of rosé purchases with Lafette Rosé. Go to their website, lafetterose.com, and use the code ROSEHOUR to get 15% off. Also, we're going to take a commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Donna Thurston of Lafette Rosé. Yay! Hey there, friends. It's your host, Renee J. Johnson. And today you are in for a special treat. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Like you guys have no clue how excited I am. I have been stalking this last, this next guest um, for some time. I had some friends that went to Clark Atlanta uh, who told me about his rosé. I did some Googles, you know, on researching rosé and he came up and his company. Um, they give back to the community, which is huge, especially being a wine company. I am just so excited. So, 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 so elated and thankful and honored to have the most amazing Donna Burden from Le Fete du Rosé. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Like you have no clue. You are, sir, you're a pioneer. You're like the Martin Luther King in the wine industry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a big, that's a big, big shoes to fill, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's appropriate because you do so much. I mean, you are, you're, you're creating a way for a lot of people and introducing them to a lot of things, but I won't belabor the moment because I want to jump into this and let you sort of tell everybody who you are and how you came into owning your own wine company. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a, it's been a journey for sure. I, um, 
as you mentioned, I am a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. So I graduated in going to the year, but uh, the late 90s. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, you know, technology was bubbling. We were all running to the dot-com industry, consulting industry. So I thought that was my, my pathway um, to, to the world and to make money in life in a career. And then I, I figured out fairly quickly that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. Um, so then I started taking various different internships in the Atlanta area with different event planning companies, et cetera. And that led to my first job as the Moet and Chandon and Hennessy ambassador in Ooh. Atlanta working for more Hennessy USA. Yeah, but it was an exciting job back then. It was all about, you know, being out in the car, the clubs, and promoting the brand and being a part of the culture. So that was my first experience really working for a wine and spirit company. And from there it was, uh, you know, no stopping me. I was hooked. And I, and I stuck with it, and I worked for more Hennessy for about 10 years in total, working across the entire portfolio from Hennessy to Belvedere Vodka to Bucrico Champagne. In my last four years, I was the regional marketing director for Boyd de Chandon and Dom Payon, um, wow. running the Southeast. Yeah, so it was, it's been a real journey. I mean, I've gotten to see everything and every aspect of the wine and spirits business. Um, and once I left Moet Hennessy in January of 2016, I actually thought I was done with the wine and spirits business. I'm just going to do some consulting for some other luxury brands. And uh, I got a call from a former colleague at Book Co., who is now the CMO of Champagne Armand de Brignac, better known as Ace of Spades. And she said, hey, we have this, this job opportunity. And I, you know, initially was hesitant and said no. And then, um, you know, six months later, I said yes. And then I started running... Latin American and Caribbean in the Southeast United States for Ace of Spades Champagne. So that was a, that was a corporate part of my life. And, wow. You know, just traveling. Yeah, it was a fun time. I mean, listen, I won't, those two experiences, as I tell so many you know, people behind me to ask the question, I learned the business there, which allowed me to start my own. Um, so when I met the, the owner of the winery that I partnered with in the South of France, uh, in 2017, and I said, hey, I want to you know, do a rosé, and he kind of looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? I said, no, I really want to do a rosé wine brand. He's like, but I have a rosé. And I said to him, I said, yeah, but the issue is that all of the rosé brands in America right now are only talking to one demographic, which tend to be, you know, white women. And yes. you guys aren't really talking to, you know, men and people of color. So every time you looked at a rosé brand, it was, you know, and nothing wrong against that. It was just white women and pink flowers and everything that I just felt like coming from, you know, LVMH, where they market luxury. It's not about... Gender. Males, it's about luxury. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not gender like, uh, neutral. Yeah, it's gender neutral, excuse me. Yeah. Gender neutral. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so he, he understood where I was going. But even then, I think he thought, okay, he's going to make a rosé for hip-hop because even the French sometimes don't really understand, like, what we say when we say, hey, we want to be inclusive and have a multicultural brand. They automatically think hip-hop. Yeah, because that's what they think is multicultural is hip-hop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and for them, when they hear about these brands in the United States that always work, they always hear the rappers. So they think, oh, yeah, go get a rapper. And you're like, no, that's not what I'm <laughs> We want to stay know? away from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we want today or somebody. <laughs> we, we struck up a partnership, and we were able to come to agreement, and then the rosé was launched. And as I've mentioned, I think it's for me important to make this an all-inclusive luxury rosé wine that appeals to everybody. So, you know, I'm about inclusivity, not exclusivity. So we're not excluding anyone. We're just giving everyone their fair share of representation of what rosé can be or what rosé is. Yes, I love it. So 
Le Fete du Rosé. You know, I feel like I'm French. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm Caribbean, but we're not the French-speaking Caribbeans. We're right. Spanish ones. So I'm trying to, like, fake an accent that I don't have. Yeah. But <laughs> what, 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 like, can you describe your, your rosé so everybody knows, like, if you were the sommelier yeah. describing it? <laughs> well, the first thing I always tell people is the name itself is Lafette Rosé, which basically means the rosé party. And what that really meant for me is that, you know, when we go to the best part of the world, it's when it's a mix of everybody from everywhere. So it's a party and everybody's invited. So it literally is a party in a bottle, um, but not necessarily a nightclub party. A party could be you and your spouse. A party could be you by yourself at home. So that's the name itself is the rosé party. The wine um, is predominantly 80% Grenache, 14% Mouvard, and 6% Syrah. But what we did is we lowered the alcohol by volume down to about 12.5%. And most other rosés are 13 and even pushing 14% alcohol. So what happens when you take that, that, take that first initial sip of the other brands, you get a lot of acid and mm-hmm. alcohol. You don't really get quick flavor. So we did all those things, combine those different fruits and lower the ABV, so you actually taste the fruit upon initial sip um, and get those very aromas that you want when you want to drink rosé. Um, we also made it a little more, uh, and, and, and it's not sweet by any means, it's a little more fruitful, and that comes from us letting our grapes have a little bit more skin contact uh, during the process of uh, maceration. So what happens with that is you get a much more balanced, easy drinking rosé, for me, which was super important because in hot weather, I normally can only drink one glass of rosé because there's so much acid and so much alcohol. And this one is much more balanced and easy drinking that you'll find yourself going through a bottle by yourself and didn't even know it happened. Yes, and I'm here but for that. it's not water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you must hydrate in between. You must hydrate in between. <laughs> drink, drink responsibly. Right, right, right. Go through a bottle of this. And that was super important to me because you know, spending so much time in the South of France, they drink rosé all day long. And I wanted to have that same experience. And one of my consumers to be able to have that same experience of drinking rosé all day long and not waking up with a massive hangover from all the sugars and alcohol and acid. Yeah, no, and that's really important because what's, the worst thing is like you have a great rosé and it's like a great experience and the next day you're like, I wish I didn't drink it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's really exactly. good. Yeah. Um, so when you went to the South of France, like, well, first let's start this. Let's rewind. How did you pick the South of France to go to for a vineyard to, to sort of like work with? Well, it, it's funny cause it, it happened in reverse. So, you know, during the early or late nineties, early 2000, Diddy was hot and Diddy had this one song and I'll never forget the verse. And he said, had you ever, have you ever been to Santo Pay? And at the time I was 30 years old and I hadn't been to Santo Pay, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend, actually I was 29, I said, I'm going to spend my 30th birthday in Santo Pay. So me and four of my friends saved up money and literally went to Santo Pay for my 30th birthday. Didn't know what the hell we were doing, but it was an experience that changed my life. So yes. that place has always had fond memories for me for the rest of my life. So I would go back every year some part of the, some part of the south of France. So it was also one of my favorite vacation spots. So when I knew I wanted to create a rosé, I wanted it to come from a place that had the authenticity, one, of producing great rosé wines, and then two, that had some sort of emotional tie and connection to me and the story. So that's why I landed upon um, choosing a winery from Santo Bay. Now, what was like sort of like that first initial, you know, conversation? I know you were saying like they were thinking like, oh, okay, you go do some hip hop thing. But like, how was it just even communicating with them? Like, 
being serious financially, you know, being able to to do this? Were they receptive? Like, how was that? It, it was a very transactional relationship in the beginning. It was very much like, okay, if you want to do this, come here. We can talk about the juice. You have to buy, you know, minimum this, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to, over time, explain to them, like, listen, I'm not interested in white labeling the stuff you already make. I've mm-hmm. had your wine. I like it. It's not the direction I want to go. So that then made me have to go over there. and We had to go through numerous different tasting sessions with the winemaker to come up with what we now have. Um, but it was very transactional in the beginning. And working with, if you ever work with the French, they're very like, this is the way it is. And you're not going to change my mind. So it was, it, was a, <laughs> it was a process of getting them to come around to see what I wanted to do. Um, what happened once the brand actually launched is that they saw that it also helped to elevate their winery overall because they have been around for over 240 years. They're the largest wow. oldest winery in Central Bay. So they have the credentials, but they didn't have the brand recognition really outside of print. Mm. So from through this process, it's helped to elevate their winery as well. I'm not saying that I'm like some god. I know, no, but, you could do, go ahead and claim that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you put them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, they had they had, they had some, some some name recognition, but this has helped to elevate them as well. And, and they now appreciate the story. They also understand that you know I'm not here to damage their brand, and they they like the direction and the marketing that we've done. So now we have this very great working relationship where we work together very well and they're very bullish on our success uh, which they know will also lead to their success wow that's crazy so how did you come up with the idea of tying in taking you know underserved community kids to San Tropez yeah um, and, and again it goes back to like we all well the bigger thing is as people of color and as young kids of color what I noticed is once I got into corporate America there were some deficiencies in terms of me being able to talk about the places I had gone um, fresh out of college, right? You're 22 years old, you're 23, you get into some of these corporate environments and some of these kids have had lifetimes of vacation travel around the world. But typically we have had, you know, our grandmother's house in Virginia, we may have gone on a cruise to Mexico or something like that. But I wanted to give underprivileged or underserved kids true travel experience that are life-changing because I know what travel did for me and the benefit it gave me and able yeah. to navigate corporate America I wanted to give that same experience to them. So once they got to the next level, they could sit down and have educated conversations around the dinner table when their boss says, hey, come out with me for drinks. And they start talking about travel. They didn't, they didn't shrink, right? So I wanted to provide opportunities for kids to be able to say, hey, oh yeah, I've been to Central Play. Oh yeah, I've been to Coastal <laughs> Right. Like I've done this already, yes. Yeah, I've done this. Like, so they can have engaging conversations. Um, so in addition to just even taking kids to the winery in Central Play, we're working with programs that are going to send kids different places around the world because we know it's so important um, to give them exposure. And then in terms of making sure they're underserved kids, a lot of times when you live in these um, impoverished environments, you don't really see the world outside of that. You don't know if things exist. So I, you know, we mm-hmm. feel that we can give them experiences and say, hey, this is how they live in Italy in a village or they live here, blah, blah, blah. It changes the child's mind and also makes them want to like now dream bigger and, and go see the rest of the world and do more. So those, that's why I chose travel. Now, given the time we're in right now with COVID, we don't know what that's going to look like going forward, but we are still committed to providing some sort of travel opportunities for those kids. Well, that's amazing. And I think after post-COVID, I mean, I think people are going to take travel a little more serious. You know, I think when, mm-hmm. when it was a luxury and, you know, it was readily available 
Um, you know, people are like, whatever. But I think now even more so, I think even the kids that are going to, you know, do these trips with you, I think they're going to be even more like thankful for the yeah. opportunity. So thank you for uh, thank you for doing that. That is amazing. <laughs> like, I wish I was a kid right now. Uh, I said, you heard me was like, uh, do you take um, uh, mi- middle aged adults? Because I'll go. <laughs> I can't wait to get on the next airplane. I'm dying to go somewhere. I know. It's so weird, right? It's like, I can't leave the country? This sounds like martial law. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But anywho, so what are some things you're working on now? Well, you have the huge events that were going around the country, right? Well, so it's interesting. I, I uh, we're not associated or affiliated in any way. You know, you have to be really cautious of who you share business ideas with. Um, I'm not upset with some well. It all helps to spread the name, but we're not affiliated in any way. Um, you know, so I I think they're still doing their events in three cities around the country, but we're focusing mainly on just the rose wine itself. And then later on down the line, we'll do our own signature event, which will be to the level in which, you know, we would do things on our side. Well, let me know how it could be helpful on that because I am ready for a good rose party. And after quarantine, I think everybody <laughs> is like, can we do a virtual party before? Like, can we do a fashion show with rose and get prepared and fashion tips? Because I think everyone's just like watching YouTube, yeah. getting ready for when outside opens again. Oh, for sure. It's going to be insane. Yes. Insane. Oh my God. I'm so excited. So I know we're, we're looking into like when it's over, but like, are you thinking of doing big things next year? Or actually, let me retract that question. What do you have planned in the future that we can support? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, right now, you know, we had a, a full summer of stuff that was planned, whether it was going to be, you know, uh, Martha's Vineyard events this summer, Essence Music stuff. But so we had a full calendar for wow. 2020 that has now, you know, gone away. But listen, just for the greater good. So mm-hmm. next year, 2021, we'll come back and we'll do things even bigger and better. I mean, the good thing is that the brand will have a little bit more uh, weight and gravitas and awareness amongst the community. So we expect even bigger uh, uh, output from us to make sure the events are even more engaging. So 2021 will be the year where we do everything that we had planned this year, starting as early as, you know, Oscars and Oscar brunches with nominees and then Coachella. We had a full calendar that we fully intend to implement in 2021 when things are Am I back tomorrow? Well, this is just meaning everybody out there, go ahead and get you some Les Fete uh, Rose now. Uh, start yeah. <laughs> start getting your, your, your tolerance built up, but responsibly. So when 2021 comes, you're part of these events and you're like, oh, I love this. And you're just sipping yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So where can people buy a bob or a case? Because, you know, I... I pushed the cases, not about yeah. it. <laughs> so we, so we, uh, because of COVID, you know, we were strong in a lot of the hotels and et cetera, but we've now switched to online sales. So you can go directly to our website at www.lafetterose.com, L-A-F-E-T-E-R-O-S-E.com. And we sell in three, six and 12 bottle packages. Uh, shipping is included or free shipping, I should say. Yes. And it will land at your doorstep in two to three days. Uh, we're like Amazon Prime of wine right now. Yes. And to all your listeners, <laughs> yeah, to all your listeners out there, we're going to give them a special code and the promo code will be Rose Hour. And that will get you 15% off a three, six or 12 bottle package. Come on, y'all. Okay. So everybody out there, use the code Rose Hour to get 15% off. So go today. Yes. 
don't hide your mamas, don't hide your wives, don't hide your friends. <laughs> Tell everybody, you know, buy buy now, buy often. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'll go through those those cases fast. And trust me, you'll be reordering and you know, you'll enjoy it. Hey, I'm here for that. And if you um get a case and you're like, oh, you know, it's so great, but I can't finish it, feel free to call me. I'm here for it. <laughs> Especially give him a 12 case. I'll take six. Don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so how can people connect with you on social media? Yeah, so our Instagram handle for Lafette Rosé is at Lafette Rosé, L-A-F-E-T-E-R-O-S-D. Um, and then my Instagram is my nickname, which is Thurston Burston the uh, Third, which is another story in itself. I feel like um, that's yeah. another episode that we definitely have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one has a uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> we can definitely talk about that some other time. <laughs> so, yo, those are our social media handles. Please reach out if you purchased a bottle. Share it on social media. We repost everything everybody puts up of us, just because we we appreciate the support and love. So, yeah, I mean, that's the only way to make this brand grow. We've seen the other brands grow from the social media presence of everybody posting them, and we would appreciate our customers to do the same. Well, that's we, the number one selling rosé in the world. That's my goal. Hey, we can make that happen, right? So yeah, exactly. if, we, if we believe it, we can achieve it, and we are going to achieve it because yep. I'm about to make yep. an order in a, month, in a minute, too. <laughs> 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 Seriously. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to ask one last question. Yeah. We all know the answer. <laughs> What's your favorite rosé? Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm going to put a little spin on this. My favorite still rosé, of course, is my rosé, La Fette Rosé. Mm-hmm. My favorite sparkling rosé is uh, two. One is Billicard Saman rosé. And the two is nice number two is Laurent Perrier rosé. Yeah, my two favorite sparkling rosé. I had that second one. That is yeah. delicious. Phenomenal. Oh my god! It's yeah. it's so magical, <laughs> so magical. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I, I won't steal. I won't steal all the shine of my brand. I'll just say my favorite still is mine, and those are my two favorite sparkling. Well, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But don't worry, yeah. you're going to come out with a sparkling soon, so we'll look for that in I, 2022. <laughs> it, it, is actually, it, it actually is in the works, so I'm glad you gave that little plug. You didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> look at God. He's just giving me messages. He's like, don't forget, say this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Donate, this has been way, 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 way a lot of fun um, because... We learned a lot about you, how you got started, and an amazing rosé. And people go to La Fete Rosé to get 15% off either 3, 6, or 12 bottles of rosé. So go today. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Because it's so good. Oh, my God. I'm so excited right now. (laughs) When you check out our our, our Instagram handle, we also have some cocktails on there as well. One is the Sancho Pay Margarita. So you can learn how to make a rosé margarita with tequila. We have a Sancho Pay lemonade. So we have a lot of different cocktails we're releasing as well because we wanted it to be a versatile drink and, and then bring more people uh, into the fold to understand that you can also make cocktails with rosé wine as well. So it's a very engaging Instagram site. Please follow us and you'll get a lot of great information. Yo, I'm about to look at that Sancho uh, Pay margarita. Because uh, <laughs> single de Mayo's coming up, guys. So yes. there you go. Get you a sand, get you a French Mexican margarita. I love it. <laughs> Combining cultures. 
<laughs> well, Donay, I wanted to just say thank you again. Uh, uh, we appreciate you so much for being on the show today. And you know, we'll be, we definitely have to have you back. Um, we also have this thing called virtual happy hours on Thursdays. We would love to have you come in. It's on IGTV Live. Uh, you get to engage with our listeners. So making that a public invitation because I know people are going to ask, like, can you come on? Because it'll be great maybe if you could talk about some of these recipes on the virtual happy hour. Say no more. I'll be there. Yay! Pew, 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 pew! <laughs> <laughs> My Jamaican uh, uh, soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, Donay, thank you again so much. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. And we can't wait to, one, keep drinking some more of your rosé and seeing some of these amazing drinks on Instagram in our homes during the quarantine. Pew, pew! <laughs> Donay, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Donay. Such a great interview. And thank you for doing what you do and creating a wine, a rosé specifically. And moreover, being a black man in this industry, uh, we know it's hard. We know it's difficult. Thank you so much for all you do. Uh, and, you know, being sort of the Martin of the wine industry. We appreciate it. <laughs> want to thank both my guests Madeline and Donay for coming on the show this week. We truly appreciate everything that you did and telling your stories. We also want to reiterate Donay's amazing rosé. Hey Donay's rosé. Hey hey Lafette Rosé L-A space F-E-T-E space R-O-S-E where if you go to his website LaFetteRosé.com and make an order of either one, three, uh, six, 12 bottles of rosé, which, I mean, come on. You gotta do it, right? You get 15% off using our code ROSEHOUR. What? How crazy is that? We're giving you gifts, man. So keep listening for more gifts. Speaking of gifts, get another gift for some friends or yourself. Treat yourself, don't cheat yourself, with some Rose Hour merchandise on our website. Go to theroseyhourpodcast.com. And finally, check us out on our other programming that we have during this COVID-19. The virtual happy hour every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on our Soulful Sundays with soulread.terror uh, with amazing Danielle, who definitely gives some amazing truth to life readings for people. Don't be nervous, y'all. Readings are good. They're not bad. She is good energy. She even uses all those kind of like good crystals and stones. So check her out again at soulread.terror. Again, thank you all so much. Shout out to bartender Ben. Pew, 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 pew. And congratulations to him on losing 10 pounds during COVID. Uh, shout out to everybody else who gained the freshman 15 in COVID-19. Uh, and all our guests again, thank you. And until next week, friends, sip, sip, hooray. Pew, pew. Yeah.